Whenever we win, we think we have what we want. But I can tell you, after listening to game after game and sports events and uh, game shows and everything else, people get what they think they want and are never satisfied. What does it mean to win? And when God determines we win, how can it change our lives? You're listening to the audio study guide of Northwood Baptist Church. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist. Thank you for joining. We have people that are listening from all over the world, I found out this week. And so welcome if you're from uh, Germany or whether you're from another place around the world. We certainly welcome you here, and feel free to share this as much as you'd like. We appreciate that you are listening and, and becoming a part of this, this uh, family. And uh, if you're ever in Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina, come on and visit us at Northwood Baptist Church. We'd love to meet you. Alrighty, well, we are talking about winning the fight of your life in Genesis chapter 32, verses 1 through 32. So if you'll get your Bibles and go ahead and turn there so you can look through and figure out what uh, this passage is saying. I would also like to encourage you, great Sunday this past Sunday, uh, one of the, uh, it's the largest Sunday since we were We've been keeping records since I was here, and that doesn't mean it was the largest Sunday. I'm sure y'all uh, back in the day had bigger days, but we had 400, and I think the number's 32, 432 this past Sunday, so I'm just thanking the Lord for that. And uh, Life Connection Group and getting people in, and the, and the kids' ministry, and the student ministry, and the adult ministry, and, and everything that's happening, it's just wonderful to see what God is doing. We have some of our classes exploding. We're having to think about where are we going to move them, how are we going to uh, multiply them out, and other things. So we're just excited about that opportunity. And don't forget, this week is November the 7th, and typically that is our high day of the year, except for Easter. So if you have a lot of people, you might want to just kind of prepare your heart and mind. And as I said in the letter last, the email last uh, week, you might want to have a special day. Just let everybody know, you know, we're going to have coffee and donuts or something like that and just have a great day together. It's going to be wonderful, and I look forward to what God's going to do. Just just uh, be prepared, all right? Well, we are in Genesis chapter 32, winning the fight of your life, and uh, Dr. Metter, our pastor, Tommy Metter, uh, preached this message uh, talking about what it means to win. A lot of people affected by this in a good way and just really uh, had God speak to them in the midst of uh, listening to this message because so often we think that winning is the answer and when we win it means that we get things our way I think it was the Rolling Stones that sang a song you don't always get what you want and let me tell you let me put it this way when you get what you want you're not real happy because most of the time we don't really know what that is do we well you'll never win by simply uh, doing the things that you want to do when you want to do them we have Jacob Interestingly enough, Jacob goes and he is about to meet his brother Esau, and he goes to spend the night at a, a, a wadi or a creek, and while he's there, he meets God, and he wrestles with God. But I can tell you, it's usually, I would never say that it's a good thing uh, to fight God, but he did. And not only did he fight, he survived, and not only does he survive, he actually prevails according to Genesis chapter 32, 28. So you have to ask the question, then what does it mean to prevail with God? How do you win with God? If you, if you, if you're, 
in some type of a contest with God, then how do you win against him? Well, you will never win by continuing to fight with God. That's, that's the first uh, point we want to look at. That's the first uh, understanding of what we're talking about here is this principle state, states that you will never win by continuing to fight with God. So Jacob left Laban. He's on his way home, but before he goes home, he needs to have this confrontation with Esau, as we talked about. So God promised to protect Isaac. Now, would God do it? Would God really provide, uh, protect um, uh, Jacob? So angel meets Jacob, a reminder that God was with Jacob, protecting him, uh, and then confidence he has now because he meets with uh, God being with him, the angels meeting with him. He has confidence to face Esau. So he sends messengers to Esau. He wants a truce. Jacob gets news that he don't, didn't want to hear. And here's the news. Esau's coming, and he has 400 men. And he learned that little lesson from uh, his uh, granddaddy, I guess. Uh, when, when Abraham, you know, he had his own private fighting army, and so does Esau have his own private fighting army. And Jacob <laughs> shakes him up. 400 men. You know, you can imagine it's going, to, it's going to be a slaughter for the day. It's going to be terrible. So what he does, he divides all he owns into two camps. So, and I'm sure the idea is that if one gets slaughtered, he'll have one left. So Jacob prays, first time in recorded history, that we have the statement that Jacob prays. But Jacob is now desperate. For, I guess for the first time, he's not trying. He realizes he can't work his way out of this one. He can't. He can't finagle his way out so he's been able to outsmart Esau but now he can't he just doesn't have the resources so here's the prayer he, what he says is he's confessing he's unworthy of what God did for, what God has done for him how kind God has been to him God do you remember what you promised me I really need you to make good on that promise please rescue me from my brother he says that in verse 11 and Jacob prays that he's had options and we've been we've all been there at times right where we're just Plain old out options, right? So next, Jacob sends gifts. He sends him herds of, of animals, and then he leaves distance between all the different things that he's sending him. And then Esau would receive a herd. He would look at it, and then he would get a new herd. And the verse 20, the Bible says, Jacob's one attempt to appease Esau was that. And so impressing Esau with his wealth, and as you know, you really have to wonder, is Jacob truly trusting God to protect him, or is he once again taking matters into his own hands? Well, during the night, he sends his wives and sons ahead of him, and I once heard a, uh, a preacher or a, a theologian talk, or Bible scholar talk about that, you know, he sent them ahead because he was too chicken to face him, so he kind of sent them ahead to see how it would work out for them. Anyway, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but anyway. Jacob is left alone, and it's dark, and he's pacing back and forth, wondering how he's going to finally meet Esau face-to-face, and then it happens from out of nowhere. Jacob is tackled. Now, I played football, and when you get tackled, when you're not waiting, when you're not ready for it, it is quite a hit. And so Jacob was knocked down. I'm sure he thought, well, maybe it was a robber. Maybe it was one of Esau's men. Maybe it was Esau himself. So this wrestling match goes on for hours, and it really is a life or death struggle. We shouldn't even make fun of it, although it is kind of a funny situation. Uh, would he survive the match? And by the way, in case you're wondering, just, Jacob's not just wrestling with any old person. He's not wrestling with a mighty man from Esau's army. He's wrestling with God himself. 
Why would God take on Jacob in a wrestling match? Well, we don't really know the answer to that. But we can think about the principles of what's been going on. God's wrestling Jacob to show Jacob what he's been doing his whole life. He's been fighting. Remember, the whole title of this section of Genesis is called The Fighter. His whole life, he's been fighting Isaac, Esau, Laban, his wives. And then God shows Jacob who he's really been fighting with. Jacob, you've been wrestling me the whole time. When you fight God, you're not going to win. It's, it's not a fair fight, by the way. He's God. You're not. God always gets his way. He accomplishes his will. And you can try to fight God for what you want, but you'll never win when you continue to fight against God. For some of us, we know we need to acknowledge the fight. Every time you tell God, no, you're fighting. So, God, I'm not going to. Or, God, I, I, I'm just not even thinking that. And when that happens, you feel the struggle. And how do you know that? Because there's misery and you're restless. Uh, because of those things, maybe relationships break up. Maybe there's great uncertainty that you have no joy or confidence. Instead of fighting God, what you need to do, though, is you need to cling to God. And there's a big difference. At daybreak, the, the word is he struck. Now, in the language, it's a tap. So God barely touches Jacob. So he's been wrestling all night. And so God barely touches Jacob and his hip just pops out of the socket. Now, it's obvious that Jacob been wrestling a mortal. Jacob knows he can't win. All God has to do is barely touch Jacob, and he could destroy Jacob with, with the breath of his, uh, his mouth, right? So instead of fighting, Jacob then clings. He holds on for dear life, and he says, God says to Jacob, let go. And his exact words were, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, Jacob can't win, but he doesn't run. Jacob can't win, but he doesn't give up. Instead, he holds on. He's finally seeing that the way to blessing is not fighting or deceiving or conniving, but holding on to God. He's the God that promised and then staying in his will. God, God says to Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob, you know, by the way, God knows his, Jacob's name. But the question brings Jacob face to face with reality. His name reveals his identity as a heel catcher, as a deceiver. Jacob, I know you're a deceiver. I know that you have the power, uh, but, but excuse me, that, that I have the power to change you. You're no longer Jacob. You are Israel, and I'm going to make a worthless deceiver like you into someone great in my eyes. Some of you in, in the Life Connection groups need to cling to God, but to cling, you have to let go. You have to let go of things like self-sufficiency, the idea of God, I don't need you. You know, I can live my own way. I can do it all, all things through my own strength. And the bottom line is you can't. We have to ask also, does our church operate as if we're dependent on God or dependent on his own, our own ingenuity or resources or talents? You've got you to let go of your ego. The whole life uh, that Jacob had been living, he, he, he was somebody. There fighting with God, he realized he wasn't anybody. Powerless. Remind yourself, you're nothing apart from the grace of God. I'm a millionaire, I'm an athlete, I'm the mother of the year. You know, whatever. Don't hide behind your ego. You aren't somebody. You're a weak sinner. And only God is somebody. And then you got to let go of sinful ways. That's where the deceit comes in. What sin has been deceiving you? And, you know, so that you think, you know, you, uh, 
I, I can't let go of my sin, but bottom line is you got to let go of your sin so you can cling to God. You can't cling to both. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily besets us. The translation is cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race. All right? So, number one, we look at this and we understand you will never win by continuing to fight with God. Number two, you will never, you will always win, excuse me, when you are willing to lose everything. Verse 28 tells us, you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now, Jacob didn't actually win against God, so uh, we, we do need to clarify that. What he did was he held on for dear life, and when he walked away the next morning, to meet Esau, he left with a fight, left that fight with God with a limp. Jacob didn't win by overpowering God and finally getting his way. Jacob won by losing. Wow, does that sound familiar? You see, Jacob finally gave up. God, I'm not letting go. I can't do this without you. You win when you give up. When you say to God, I can't do life without you, I give up my desires and dreams and all the things that I want to do, and I'll, I'll exchange all that for you, Lord. You're what I need. That's when you win. You see, the whole gospel story is about Jesus winning by losing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he wrestled with the Father, with his words, Jesus said, not my will but yours. And then Jesus went to a cross. The greatest loss in human history, seemingly, as God dies at the hands of sinful men, it seems that sin triumphs over the Creator, but the Jews and the Romans didn't defeat Jesus, and certainly sin didn't defeat Jesus. He willingly lost on Good Friday and gave up his life for those who killed him. What seemed to be the greatest loss in human history was actually the greatest victory in human history. Let me say that again. What seemed to be the greatest loss in human history was actually the greatest victory in human history. He burst forth from the grave, defeated sin and death, so all who believe can have eternal life. Jesus' victory over the grave was your victory. Through faith and turning from your sin, you now look forward to resurrection victory because of Christ who won by losing. Jesus is the true Israel. He struggled and overcame for us. He has given us a new name. I have to ask, and I think you should ask your Life Connection group, have they been wrestling with God? What have they been wrestling with God about? You see, because when you start wrestling with God, you need to just determine that you're going to win. And you're going to win by losing. You never get what your heart is after until you lose. God, I'm going to give up everything, and I'm going to hold on to your perfect will. And when you lose everything to live for the will of the Father, you win, and the great news is you win big. When you lose, you get everything. That's eternity with Jesus forever. In your Life Connection group, some of them need to lose. They're wrestling with God. They're saying no to God. There's somebody in your life connection who might be an unbeliever, and they need to just give up. Trust him today. Let's quit fighting God and turn to God, right? So as we look at that and understand that, how then, let's discuss how we can be about the business of winning the fight of our lives in Genesis 32. All right, uh, the number, number uh, one question is good, I think. As we study through Genesis, what have you learned about God, and what have you learned about you? And so I think there's going to be some uh, discussion about that. So make sure that you are sharing some of that back and forth. Um, go to number three. Have you ever felt like you were fighting against God? Why do you think you were fighting, and what caused you to fight God, and why is it unwise to fight God and resist his will? So some of that's in the, in the sermon, and, and some of it is actually uh, they're going to be talking about. So 
kind of distinguish the two. If you need to answer a couple of those questions and have them ready to go, that would be good. All right, examine the text. Genesis 32, 1 through 2. Let's read those. Jacob went on his way, and God's angels met him. And when he saw them, Jacob said, this is God's camp. So he called that place Mahanaim. Mahanaim. All right, so as we read that, what is the significance that angels met with Jacob? Of course, there was some significance in that he was letting them know, that uh, the angels were letting Jacob know that God was with them, uh, that he didn't have to fear, that God was there for him, and that he could trust the promises of God. All those things working together. Why would God and Jacob, uh, why would God send Jacob, excuse me, angels as Jacob began to make his way home? I think he wanted him to know that the promises of God are yes and amen that this promise was true, and that God will be with him, because God promised he would, that he would deliver him and make him a great nation. So what does this teach us about God's work in Jacob's life? Regardless of what Jacob wanted, God was already at work in Jacob's life. All right, Genesis 32, verses 3 through 8. Let's jump to that. So Jacob sent messengers ahead of, uh, ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the territory of Edom, and he commanded them, you are to say to my Lord Esau, this is what your servant Jacob says. I have been staying with Laban and have been delayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, fox, male, female slaves. I have sent this message to inform my Lord in order to seek your favor. So when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau. He's coming to meet you. And he has, and this is the scary part, 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people with him into two camps along with the flocks, herds, and camels. And he thought, if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, the remaining can escape. So that's why he divided those into two, as we talked about. All right. Why was Jacob so afraid of Esau? Well, there was lots of reasons. Jacob had wronged Esau, obviously. Jacob had fought with Esau and had taken his birthright, taken his, his blessing that, 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 that Isaac was going to give him. And so there was lots of reasons, but number one, and then he almost had a peace because of the angels, and we talked about the message, but then he finds out he has 400 men who would probably be able to slaughter them without a moment's notice. So would you think that his fear is justified? I would say it probably is. A guy that you've wronged and stolen stuff from and deceived and fought with, you know, I, I, I think you would be scared that this guy's going to do you damage. So if God had just sent angels to meet with Jacob, why was Jacob still afraid? Well, I think Jacob was looking at his own life. I, I don't know that Jacob hung on to God like he should have. But I would also say that Jacob is a human being. And in his humanity, it's, it's a little scary to deal with those things. You can't tell me that you've not been in a situation where it's very scary and you thought it was over, right? And even if you trusted God and God got you through multiple times and then you came to that one point, you're still going to have that fear. Jacob felt that because of those 400 men, and he thought those 400 men were able to outdo God. All right, Genesis 39, 9 through 12. Then Jacob said, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. First recorded prayer of Jacob in the, in the Bible, yeah, actually in history. The Lord said to me, go back to your land and to your family, and I will cause you to prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Indeed, I crossed over the Jordan with my staff, and now I have... Uh, have become two camps. Please rescue me from my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. There's that word. He was afraid. Otherwise, he may come and attack me, the mothers and, the, and the mothers and their children. And you have said, I will cause you to prosper, and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, too numerous to be counted. 
So like I said, this is Jacob's first recorded prayer. What, what does Jacob's prayer reveal about Jacob's heart? Well, it does, it does reveal, as we said, uh, he, he does realize that he is not worthy of all that God is, is going to give him. He knows that he is who he says he is, who God says he is. Um, but he does hold God to his promises. He does know that God made a promise and that God will fulfill the promise. And so he kind of holds, he, in his words at least, he holds God's feet to the fire about it and says, okay, this is what you promised, and I don't want all my family to die. So, Lord, please rescue me. So, please rescue me. And he, he, he flat out says he's afraid in here. So, all those things are going through his mind. Now, the second part of this question, what does the way you pray reveal about your heart? You see, when you get in desperate situations, it reveals what's really there. You're, you're, you're waiting to, for God to do a work. And whether you're afraid or whether you're mistrusting, or whatever it is, it will usually come out. So your prayers can reveal a lot about you if you'll listen. All right, Genesis 32, 13 to 21, starting in verse 13. He spent the night there and took part of what he had bought with him, brought with him as a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels. I didn't know there was such a thing as a milk camel, but anyway, a milk camel. With their young, and I, would, I guess that makes sense with the desert. Uh, Forty cows, ten bulls, uh, twenty female donkeys, ten male donkeys. The donkeys were there to protect the rest of the livestock, uh, at least. Of course, they were good bearers of burdens, too. Uh, he entrusted them to his slaves as separate herds and said to them, Go on ahead of me and leave some distance between the herds. And he told the first one, When my brother Esau meets you and asks who you belong to, where are you going? And those animals are ahead of you, then tell them, Tell him they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau. And look, he is behind us. He also told the second one, the third, and everyone is walking behind the animals. Say the same thing to Esau when you, when you find him. You are to also say, look, your brother Jacob is right behind us. For he thought, I want to appease Esau with the gift that is going ahead of me. And after that, I can face him and perhaps he'll forgive me. So the gift was sent on ahead of him while he remained in the camp that night. Now, after praying to God, Jacob attempts these, this to appease him, to Esau, with, with gifts. I guess he figured, you know, I'd taken all this stuff from Esau, and now I'm going to try to repay him for my evil ways, wicked, evil ways. So what was Jacob's plan here? What do you think Jacob's plan was? Obviously, obviously to buy his affection. And uh, by the way, if, as I'm in the middle of 1st uh, 2nd Kings, 1st 2nd Chronicles, just finished 1st 2nd Kings, I'm in 2nd Chronicles now. And um, over and over again, the kings did that. The kings did that themselves. They would pay off somebody and say, here's a gift, don't attack me. Well, that's kind of what he's doing here. Here's a gift, don't attack me. He's trying to find his own way through again. Now, do you think Jacob is demonstrating faith in God as he sends gifts to Esau? I would say, no, he's not. He's trying to find a way through. All right? Genesis 5, uh, let's go to verses 22 to 32. Uh, let's see. The question is, why does God wrestle with Jacob? And what is God trying to teach Jacob in the wrestling match? So let's kind of skip ahead to that as uh, we find out that he left his wives. He's all alone. And he sent them across a stream. And then Jacob is left alone. And it says, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he couldn't defeat him, he struck Jacob's socket hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip and then said to Jacob let me go for it is daybreak 
But Jacob said, and here's where the clinging starts, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? The man asked. Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God, with men, and have prevailed. And with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he, but he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And the sun shone on him, and he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. And then it goes into explanation of the thigh muscle and the Israelites and, and Jacob's hip. All right, why does God wrestle with Jacob? Let's, let's talk about that question for just a second. I think we, we determined that it was because he wanted to show Jacob what he has been doing with God his whole life. When he's been fighting these other people, he's actually been fighting God. Because God was always trying to bring him to his will. And Jacob was not willing to find and do the will of God. So he fought. He fought for everything he had. Everything. Now, why is God trying to teach Jacob? In the, what is he trying to teach him? And it goes back to what, how, it, how it ended when he would not let God go. He was clinging to him. And in the clinging, finally, instead of fighting, he begins to cling. As we know, he touched Jacob's socket in his hip, and he was crippled from that point on. Now, folks, being someone that has a bad hip, like I do, and I've had for 18 years since what I went through with the aortic dissection, I can tell you it's no fun to walk around with a, with a bad hip. It's always a reminder of what God did. I will just tell you that. Jacob, same way. And all God had to do was touch it, and it happened. God could have beat Jacob back any time he wanted to. But he didn't. Because he wanted Jacob to quit fighting and to start clinging. And that's what he did. All right, so why does God put Jacob's hip out of joint? I got Obviously to prove that he is God. And what was God teaching Jacob as he touched Jacob's hip? And then, of course, it's reliance. It's trust. It's all the things that he should have been doing all along. And he's also demonstrating his power. That I can do what I want when I want. That's how our God works. Why does Jacob refuse to let go of God? Well, it's simple. He wants him to bless him. And what does, what does Jacob's wrestling match with God teach us about faith? That if we want to receive what God wants for us, we've got to cling to God. Now let's jump down to verse 28. He says this, your name will no longer be Jacob, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now what's significant about God clinging to Jacob's name? Uh, excuse me, changing Jacob's name. What, what's significant about God changing Jacob's name? Well, he was a deceiver, that's why he wanted him to tell his name because in, in the word Jacob is the word uh, heel grabber, deceiver. Um, so he says, no longer will you be called that. But you will be called Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. He prevailed. He prevailed by clinging to God. He won by losing, right? Well, how does this story point us to the gospel of Jesus? Well, it's real simple. See, when you lose, you get everything. And Jesus was willing to look on the outside like he had lost on the cross, but he had not lost to sin or to death. He had not lost to the Romans or to the, to the Jewish uh, intelligentsia of the day. 
He lost so he could win. He lost so he could win. It was his death on the cross that made our salvation possible. And that's why he lost. That's what Jesus did for us. And to teach us that when you lose, you win. All right, so let's apply the truth. Number one, how do you know if you're wrestling with God, against God's will? Well, we went through some of those things, and you're going to, things like um, when, you, when you're not clinging, but you're wrestling, uh, you're going to hold on to things like self-sufficiency and your ego and your sinful ways, right? You're going you're gonna to use things like deceit and all those other things that are going to drive you away. We, we also acknowledge that when, when we do that, and some of the things we talked about also, you feel, you feel you're struggling, you're in misery, you're restless, broken relationships, uncertainty, you don't have joy, and certainly you don't have confidence. How do you know if you're submitted to God's will? Well, instead, it, you, you know that you've clung to him, and you know that God is working in your life, and you sense the power and strength of God working in and through you. That's what, how you know. If you're wrestling with God, what is the one thing that you knew you need to do to start submitting to God? There's one thing in their lives. Right now, in your Life Connection group, there's something that they're holding on to, and they're thinking that God has told them to release it, or God has told them to hold on to it, or whatever it is. Whatever it is, they're saying no to it, right? So what's that one thing? Number two, what does it mean to win with God by losing? Well, when we lose to God, we win what God wants us to win, just in the same way that Jesus did. Because when we lose, we get everything, and that's eternity. And some of the people in your Life Connection group need to lose. They're wrestling with God, and it's time for them to stop. Uh, number, let's see here, what does it mean to win with God by losing? Number, the second part of that question, how do you think this passage helps us to understand what it means to live by faith? It's about trusting God. So that's why we cling to him, because we're trusting him, right? All right, respond to the truth. How do you think God is calling you in response uh, to do in response to Genesis 30? Uh, I think it's 32, right? Isn't this 32? Yeah, 32, 1 through 31. And then uh, these these. These uh, numbers on my page are wrong. So it's Genesis 32, not Genesis 31. And then how does Genesis 32, 1 through 32, uh, inform the way that you will pray this week? Actually, it's one, 32, 1 through 21, not th 1 through 32. And in order to cling to God starting this week, what is the one thing that you need to let go of? Let them talk about that. That's a good one. And uh, I think that you'll enjoy just hearing some of those things. And and, and again, maybe you'll have somebody ready for the Sunday morning, or maybe you can share a little bit, say, this is what I've been clinging to and I need to let go of. We all have those things, every one of us. Let's just be honest. This is a good time for our Life Connection groups to be honest with one another because we want to see God do a great work in the lives of our people here at Northwood Baptist Church. Okay, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for the blessing of all good things. And Lord, that when we cling to you, we can find your blessing. When we cling to you, we can trust in you. When we cling to you, we win. That's how we win. We win by losing. And we let you win. So Lord, win in our lives. 
and in Life Connection Group. May the, if there's someone there that does not know as Christ is saving Lord of their life, may today be the day when they surrender to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Life Connection Group leaders and care group leaders and co-teachers and everybody else, we just thank you so much for uh, your wonderful attitude and getting out there and working hard and working through some things. God bless you as you serve the Lord, and I'm just counting on hearing a great Sunday. And like I said earlier, be ready because we probably will have a, a large crowd this Sunday. And don't forget to fall back this week, okay? God bless. Have a great week.